that transition period is where God does his best work. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Recovering Hypocrite Podcast. I am, as always, your host and the chief recovering hypocrite around these parts, Noel Jesse Haken. And this is episode 41. And I'm thrilled today to have on the podcast Pastor Marvin Williams. Now, Marvin is a pastor just a couple miles away from me. His church is just a couple miles away from me. He lives farther away than his church is, but I ride my bike all the time by his church when I'm out working out and I stop in his parking lot. You don't know this morning. I pray for your church and then I get back on my bike and head out from there. But a, a wow. couple weeks ago, I think it was, or maybe even just a week ago, you tweeted something. Marvin tweeted something that struck me. So I immediately shot him a note and said, hey, let's talk about this on the podcast. And I want to read the tweet um, uh, before introducing Marvin. This is what he wrote. He said, a theology of place where we live and work says where God has us now is where he wants us now. We live where we live and work where we work, not for us, but for those around us. Love and serve your neighbors so well that when you move, they will weep, not rejoice. And and that just hit me. I just immediately said, hey, we got to talk about this. And so um, Marvin, thrilled to have you on the podcast. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start by giving everybody three uh, publicly available details about your life. And then I'd like you to tell us three little known facts about yourself uh, just so everybody can get to know you. All right. So right, good. Cool. All right. All right. So, so here's our three publicly available details. You are lead pastor at Trinity Church. Uh, here in the great city of Lansing, Michigan. You are not the 6'8 power forward from the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, <laughs> although I suspect people probably mistake you for him all the time. Every, every now um, and then. Every now every and, now and then. then. And you are married to Tanya and have three kids, Marvin Jr., uh, Mike, and Michaela. And I think your wife must feel left out with the only one without the M name. Without the M going on. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and so those are, those are the publicly available biographical details. Give us three things that uh, are little known facts about Marvin Williams. All right. So, uh, so number one, and uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on, Noel. This, this, is, a, this is a treat. This is a pleasure. Uh, number one, I jumped, I've jumped out of a plane, uh, 11,000 feet up. And, intentionally? Uh, intentionally, yes, yes. In fact, my wife actually bought a Groupon. I was, I was kind of worried at first that she got the cheaper version of me jumping yeah, out of a plane. You really so. don't want to get a discount. That's There's right. You don't want to get a discount. Want, don't get a discount tattoo. <laughs> Do not get a discount uh, a pair parachuting. That's right. Ticket. That's right. So jumped out of a plane, 11,000 feet up. It was one of the most exhilarating things that I could have done. And a friend of mine in, in uh, Texas, uh, he said, Marvin, you got to do this. You got to do this. And um, so my wife overheard and bought the uh, bought the the space. And we uh, and I jumped out of a plane in Fowlerville, uh, right there in Fowlerville. So that's that's number one. Number two, I have a brown belt in Shurinru uh, karate, and um, and studied uh, karate for a, a number of years. Uh, and then when I came to Lansing, I uh, kind of let it go a little bit. But prior to coming to Lansing. Um, had uh, achieved a brown belt. I was right on the verge of a black belt and uh, did all kinds of tournaments and won all kinds of trophies and all that kind of stuff. But it was it was a lot of a lot of fun for me. So wait a minute. So so is that something you regret not doing that anymore? Like have you I, thought I about do. let let me become a black belt just yep, so I can that put that is on my Twitter one, bio. It, it 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 was it's one of those things where I felt like my life is kind of incomplete. 
you know, I got mm-hmm. right up to the doorstep and, um, and decided that, um, you know, got really, really busy and didn't finish. And so it, it's one of those regrets that I have that I did not finish and complete. So that's a, that's the second thing. The third thing, um, so you said we have three kids and actually we have four kids, um, oh. three, three biological children and uh, another, uh, another son, we call him our son. He's our, he's our middle son, Micah's best friend, Ashton Lorian. And Ashton's mom passed away a couple of years ago, suddenly mm. while he was on a mission mm. trip. And um, he was in Mexico and uh, got the word and his dad has not been in, in his life. And so after, uh, after his mom passed away and after the funeral, he came uh, to me and my wife and asked, um, just wondering, you know, until, you know, till I go to college and that sort of thing, can I, can I live here? Well, the ironic part was he was already kind of living here two to three days a week. So eating <laughs> yeah, our food. Yeah. And so we kind of made it official and he's, he's, um, he's our, our fourth son, if you will, our fourth child and uh, Mexican American. And, um, and we just, we got, we have such a love for him. He, um, he was, um, he was going down a really, really hard road. And so my older son and middle son just, just poured into him. He gave his life to the Lord. And I think it's mm. a sophomore year in high school. Okay. And, and we've just watched him grow and he is now a student at Moody Bible Institute. All as well. right. So, yeah. so those are three, three, probably little known facts about me that, uh, that people may not know. That is fantastic. And I, I could talk to you about that all day, but we do have a topic <laughs> yes. uh, at hand, this idea of a theology of place. And I think one of the things that struck me in your tweet was just, you really quickly defined a theology of place in a really simple way. You said a theology of place, where we live and where we work. Yeah. And I don't know that I've ever heard someone simply describing a theology of place so so succinctly as that, that I wanted to talk about this idea. Well, how would you like broadly defined a theology of place? Obviously, you've defined a place there, but what is a robust biblical theology of place? Yeah. So, so when, when we when we think about a, um, a a broader theology of place. Is is that every place, um, every city, every every neighborhood, um, God wants to bring His redemptive purpose. He wants to bring the shalom and mercy and um, and the presence of Christ. So when when if if we walk through the entire Old Testament, New Testament, if, and and you you know I'm probably singing to the choir in this way, back in the garden, you know. God is, the Bible is replete with places and there is re, uh, the, the potential of redemption in those places. So you, you see the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve, they are uh, experiencing the presence of God and they, um, un, unhindered, if you will, they sin and then they're kicked out of the place. They are, they are kicked out of the place. And yet God still says, I, I want a relationship. I want you to experience my presence. Make a long story short, he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose another people. And that new people would be uh, what we know, the people of Israel. Um, they go into another place. They go into um, Egypt and where they are slaves. And even there, God says, I am going to bring my redemptive purposes. And he calls Moses. And, um, and Moses delivers them out of that place to take them to another place. And on, on the way to, 
Canaan, they get stuck in another place, which is, which is the wilderness. And even then God says, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to be with you. He says, Hey, when you get out of this, I'm going to give you the tabernacle. Why? Because I want you to experience my presence. Tabernacle gives way to the temple, which is where people, the people of God experience the presence of God. Um, second temple, they, people are exiled in Babylon. God says, first order of business, I want you to build uh, a, a second place, a second temple. And they, they do that. They, they, Haggai and Ezra, that's what they're, they're all about. And then, um, and people are saying, Haggai chapter two, verse three says, hey, when will we experience the greater glory? And John answers that question for us. Um, he answers that question, we beheld his glory, um, the one full of grace and truth. Jesus tabernacled or templed among us, John 1 and 14. So, so we see now that this is, God was, yes, interested in a place, uh, really geographical, geographical places, but then he says, I'm going to give you the perfect uh, temple, the perfect tabernacle, which is Jesus Christ. And then Jesus, you know, he, of course, he dies. He, um, he, is, um, he is resurrected, buried and resurrected. Holy Spirit comes, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Now God has a new place, and that new place is us. And so he says that is the, the collective body of Jesus, but also the personal body of believers. And he says, now I have a new place. And, and the place is now portable again. It's portable. So now wherever you go, you are bringing the potential of redemption and you are bringing the potential of my shalom. So, so, so wherever I work, in this case, I work at a church, but, but the people that I talk to, wherever they work, wherever they live, they now are many temples, many tabernacles where we bring, we all do, bring the presence of God for redemptive purposes. And so the Bible is replete with this, this concept of place. And even though I chose where to live in Hazlitt, if I have a sovereign mindset, and the sovereign mindset is that that God has me here right now. Even though I chose it, we paid, we paid more. We pay high taxes out here too, Noel. So hey, we, I'm in Holt. <laughs> me too. Yeah. So, 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 so the, the fact that I live here, now God is saying, I, I didn't, I didn't allow you to live here just because it's a nice neighborhood. And that 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 struck me, it convicted me. Because I, we, my wife and I purchased this house because we liked it, not because of our neighbors. And, and when we moved here, we weren't really thinking about we are the presence of Jesus in this neighborhood. And I need to get to know my neighbors for the purpose, number one, just to love them, not have a ulterior motive, to love them and simply to be the presence of Jesus in um in this in this community and so it's a it's this having a sovereign mindset even though i chose to live here chose to work here god has me here larger thinking has me here for a larger purpose other than um other than my own uh, my own benefit so as you're talking there it it reminded me of how so often 
our theological grid is stymied by our human limitations. And yeah. so uh, when we, like you said, choose a neighborhood and we choose the house, like uh, we built the house that we live in, we liked the lot. And then God brought neighbors around us. And so now we would say, well, I chose this neighborhood, but in God's sovereignty. So God's sovereign will and his even his calling of, of the saints and all these things that he does work alongside in some sort of synergistic way um, uh, the, the choices and decisions that we're making. And so sometimes I think that we feel like a placeless people hmm. in our society hmm. now because people don't stick around their hometown anymore. You know, they move around and, and they move across the world and 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 so we feel placeless but like you said as the people of god as the church we are the temple of god we are the tabernacle of god we are where he lives now so where we are embodied absolutely is where he is and what he is doing and and that is that is an again for me that's an awesome thought again i i you know we're we're used to come home open the garage pull in my car, close the garage, go in my house, turn the TV on, relax, and and not have anything to do with anybody around us, at least for me. I, mm -hmm. And we live this mm -hmm. way. My wife and I lived this way for you know, quite some time when we first moved here is that I don't want to be bothered. I've been bothered by people all day at church. I don't want to be bothered. And yet um, that is that is that number one, it's selfish. Number two, it, it goes against the great commandment. And so mm. the great commandment is love God. And on the flip side of that coin is love your neighbor as yourself. So, mm -hmm. so this is not just proverbial love your neighbor. This is not just Samaritan love your neighbor, which I think that's part of it. But I think when we talk about loving our neighbor, I think Jesus has in mind literal neighbors, individuals, who are on either side of us, people who are in front of us, people who are, who are behind us, they have real needs, real concerns, real problems, real joys that we can, um, that we can listen to and, in, and, and, and participate in. You know, if a kid graduates from high school, we get to, we get to celebrate with those neighbors um, open houses. If, uh, if a neighbor is sick, we get to actually be the presence of Jesus and say, mm -hmm. how can we go to the store for you? So, so, so it's, it's much larger than just the house that I live in and yeah. the car that I drive. I have a response. I have a responsibility as a neighbor to my neighbors. And, um, and that's, a, that's, again, it's an awesome responsibility. And, um, and I, and this is what God calls us to. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, yeah. Well, you know, I, I remember uh, reading, and I wish I could remember who wrote this. It came from a book or an article or something. He called it The Castling of America. Hmm. And he said, what we've done with our homes is we've built castles. We've built castles that we can live in where everything that we need is inside the castle with the moat outside of the picket fence that I keeps that. the other people on the other side, right? Yeah. And so we have castled ourselves. And so what it is, what you're proposing is a a a a filling in of that moat, a, a knocking down of that drawbridge, a saying, hey, I am in this place, in this neighborhood, and we've been talking about neighborhoods, but also the school I go to, absolutely, the workplace I have, the team that I'm on, 
and and filling in those moats so that we can be with our neighbors. It made me think as you were talking about Acts 17, one of the most brilliant sermons of all time. Um, Paul makes this statement that God, he says, from one man, God has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And I wonder if this theology of place plays right into what Paul is saying here. Absolutely. Everyone, including us and our neighbors, we live where we live. Yeah. At the time that we live there for a purpose that is finding him, not just for us, but for our neighbors. So our neighbors and the UPS driver and the guy pumping gas next to me, we are here in his sovereignty, appointed in this moment to perhaps reach out and find him. Yeah, I love that that passage. And that is a, uh, and, and that is, again, you talk about having a sovereign mindset. And a sovereign mindset says that God has always been working. He has always been working. He has always been using people, circumstances, and events to get us to where he desires, uh, where he desires us to be. And even to the place where, where we are. See, I, I, one, one of the things that when I, when I first moved from Chicago, when I was praying, when I finished up at Trinity uh, Evangelical Divinity School, I'm saying, God, I want to go someplace warm. Like, like oh, take yeah. me someplace warm because... I chose well. (laughs) (laughs) I do not like the cold weather. And so take me, I'm I'm praying for someplace warm. So he, he says, okay, I'm going to take you to Grand Rapids. So Grand, it's it's not, I'm not moving any place warmer, right? So he, he takes me to Grand Rapids and I'm there for 16 years. And, um, and I am, I am in what they call little Jerusalem and Grand Rapids is again, reform capital of the world. Uh, little Jerusalem, and and it's like I feel like I'm out of place here, and um, and so so there for 16 years, and really really um, try to understand, build relationships with our neighbors, build relationships with uh, principals and teachers at school, my kids' school, and really try to. Um, our church was in a neighborhood, so our church was a neighborhood church, the church that we. Uh, that my wife and I helped plant uh, to plant. We were in a neighborhood church, building relationships with uh, with our neighbors. Um, and then all of a sudden, God picked me up and moved me to Lansing. I'm saying, okay, God, you're you're taking me further north. So I'm thinking the next move may be Canada or something. I well, don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's slightly less uh, lake effect snow. Yeah, so l- at least less lake effect. Go. That's right. That- but it's still cold. It's still it's not moving warm. <laughs> And, and I finally had to let go and surrender and align to say, God, you, you are bringing me to the place where you want me to be. So Lansing is smaller than Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids is smaller than Chicago. Um, and, and yet I'm saying I, I have to submit to your sovereign plan that Lansing is a redemptive gift in your sovereignty and I have to receive it as a gift. And, and I, I can tell you, I'm gonna be very honest. When I first, like, like God, I do not wanna go to Lansing. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a big city, all right? That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not a destination for most people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? 
Right. It's not, it's not my, my ultimate destination, but in God's mind, um, it was my destination. It is my destination. It is my appointed time here right now. And, um, and, but it took me a while to surrender to that, to align my heart with, um, with, with God's, with God's plan. When I first moved to Grand Rapids and, and this was, this was a lesson that I, I, I brought to Lansing. When I first moved to Grand Rapids, um, wasn't the place where I wanted to be. And I, I said that I am going to, I am going to give this place five years. I'm going to give this church five years as a youth pastor. I'm going to give it five years and I'm out of here. And, and it was year one and year two. I was thinking about year five. Mm. I was thinking, let me just do my time kind of like in prison and let me get out of here. And I was not able to be fully present. I was not able to minister in the present because I was anticipating and living in the future when I can get out of here. And so, so all along the while, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm understanding that God, God has me in places, not for me to get out of those places, but for me to plant roots down as long as he has me there and to build relationships and to build friendships and to love and care and bless, bless the community that I was in, bless the people that I was in, uh, that I was around and to say, I am not thinking about year five. And maybe God says, I'm going to have you here for 10 years. I'm not thinking about getting out. I'm actually now thinking about staying in and putting roots down deep. And when that happens, when that happened, that's when I believe God blessed the ministry and we were allowed to see uh, some fruit that um, I still have relationships with those young people who went through that ministry. And it was, um, it, it, it was a blessing to be able to catch that. And so when I came to Lansing, I'm saying, okay, I'm not thinking about my getting out plan. I'm, I'm, I'm here because God has me here. And I'm, I want to be a good steward of the place that he's placed me, not only church, but also neighborhood. You know, I wonder if sometimes Christians inadvertently communicate a view of God's will for people's lives that cause them to miss that. Like we almost have this bullseye view of God's uh, will for our life that yeah. I, I've got a limited number of darts that he's given me. And I got to throw the darts right. And, and I want to, we, we use terms like the center of God's will. Right, right. And, and we say, and, and so the, the implication is I can miss that. And if I miss that, oh no, I, I have somehow subverted all that God is the, doing. The butterfly effect, right? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the, the spiritual butterfly effect. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is we look backward all the time and we say, man, did I miss it here? Did I screw this up here? We regret decisions decisions or we, it's kind of that the glory days we say, oh, I had something that I missed out or we're looking down the road, like you said, five years, 10 years. And we, and, and we're trying to make all the decisions instead of just saying, God, 
like as long as I'm living a life that is moral and wise, absolutely, I can That's rest. Exactly, I can rest in your sovereignty, and now I can look around and go, okay, what do you got for me? Yeah. I mean, for me, the big thing in this season, the passage of scripture that God has really been hitting me with over and over and over, is that famous passage in James four, and and I think part of it is because we were dumb enough. Uh, to come up with a five-year vision that we rolled out in 2019. But in, in James 4, where it says, come now, you say today or tomorrow, yeah. we will travel to such and such a city, spend a year there, do business, make a profit. <laughs> you don't know what tomorrow That's will right. bring, right. what your life will be. You're like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or do that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all boasting is evil. So the sin, it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. And I've never seen it before this year, how connected those ideas are. Yeah, yeah. The idea that the sin that you know that you should do that you don't do is trusting in God's sovereignty for the plans of your life yeah. and not thinking too highly of yourself. Yeah. Remembering that you're a vapor and that he's sovereign. Yeah. That's the good that we do. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, I, and, I, I, love and I just think COVID is teaching us. So, so let me just pivot a little bit and talk about COVID. In this whole coronavirus COVID season that we're in, what do you think people, what opportunities are we missing in this season? Or where should our eyes be open in this season for what God may be doing for the place that we are in of being people living in a COVID pandemic? Yeah, that's 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 a really, really good question. So so this is the where we are right now. Um, and you've probably heard it as well. I've heard it. I can't wait until we get back to normal and, <laughs> and whatever normal is, right? I think what has happened is we're, we're, again, just like I mentioned, we're waiting for something that will never happen again. The church, mm-hmm. the church as we mm-hmm. know it is way Amen. different. Amen. And so, so while we're waiting we're wasting time. Say, so, okay, when we get back to normal, then I'll talk to my neighbor. When um, when we get back to normal, then we'll I'll understand, you know, what God's will is for me right now. This this is the show. We're we're not. This is not dress rehearsal. Yeah, we're not in recess. Yeah, this is not recess. This is not dress <laughs> rehearsal. This is the performance. This is the show, and um, and so I I think we miss moments like that. So mm. so. So get everything out of the transition that you possibly can. So, so we say, I want to get, I, I, I don't want the transition. I want to get out of the transition. The transition is, is painful. It's hurtful. And yet in the transition, transition being where I am now to where God wants me to be. And that's that middle spot right now where God has us. And that transition period is where God does his best work. That's, That's where he does his transformative work. Right now, our our neighbors and um, our our neighbors and neighborhoods and teachers and and principals they are they are more vulnerable right now for conversation, for conversations around things that matter. Not I'm not talking about getting getting a notch on your belt to say I share the gospel today, which we should share the gospel. We we should look for people of peace. And where God is opening the door to have those conversations, but but just to be neighborly, um, to to um, to do walks around your neighborhood and say, I am going to pray for every single neighbor 
in my neighborhood or every single teacher of my in my students um, classes or what have you. I think we're missing I think we're missing the the beauty of the transition mm. and um, and that the transition is where transformation happens as opposed to let me just get past COVID. And once we get past COVID, then I'll work on my trans, my transformation. I'll, I'll become a little bit more Christ-like. This is the moment where we say, I wonder what my neighbor needs. And I wonder what God is unearthing in me uh, in this period of time that, um, that I maybe, maybe, may have been blind to. And I think COVID has brought out a lot of things, at least in in me and the people who, um, you know, who I'm, you know, who I know. So. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, I had a chance to talk to Karen Eman. I don't know if you know her. She's um, she attends Riv, but she is a New York times bestselling author for like 15 books coming up. She's right. She has a book coming out here in October. It might even be out by the time we put this podcast out there on um, opening our heart and home to people. Yeah. And one of the things that she said is during this season, she's been snooping on people's social media for ways to love them in the crisis. Wow. Wow. And, and that really hit me because I was like, that is being that that's a, like a proactive gospel stance. Sure. Like, how can I look at my neighbors and the people on my feed and my family and say, okay, they need something right now. What, how can I provide that right now? And I, I, you know, one thing you said reminded me of the old camp days. I don't know if you were a Christian camp kid, but there was always these Christian camp moments where, where the speaker or the counselor would call you to something and say, you know, live your life for Jesus. And you're thinking, I'll do that once I have exactly, exactly. dated that's this it. girl, gone to this yeah, party, yeah, yeah. done this thing, right? <laughs> and we push Jesus away from the transition. I, I'm, that's going to stick with me, that idea that right here in the transition, that's where he's doing his work. Yeah. I can't push that past the transition. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, that's, you know, when I, when I was growing up, you know, um, and I'll probably be dating myself, uh, one, of, one of the biggest things that I worried about was, um, was, was nuclear war, nuclear uh-huh. war and my parents oh, getting yeah. divorced. Oh yeah. And so, <laughs> so I, I, I made God a promise. I said, if you just let me go on prom, then, then let Jesus come and then Jesus can come back. And then mm-hmm. once I, once I went on prom and said, well, well, let me, if, if you just let me get my license, then I'll, then you can let Jesus come back. <laughs> then once I get married, then let Jesus come back. Yeah. Then once I have kids. So I'll tell you, every Christian boy was like, do not come back till I get exactly. married because I am waiting for marriage. So please, Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that, that is, uh, I, and again, I, I think you're, you're, you're right that um, loving um, kind of snooping and rummaging um, mm. You know, it's the, a good word. the early the early church used them, um, and and you know, people talk about Catholics using it, but I think the the body of Christ is missing something of the early church for the first fifteen hundred years, right? So there are right. some practices that, like the daily examine, uh, the the examine is rummaging for God in your day. Where where did God show up, and and where did I love people well? during the course of the day. And so you sit with that, you sit with those kinds of questions and you play your day kind of like a, a movie clip and say, did I love my neighbors in this way? Did I love them well, or did I not love them well? Did I pray for them? Did I, 
share something with them of that I that I cherish, um, and 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 do I love them enough to to bless them in that way? Do I love my neighborhood and my city enough to bless them in that way? There's a passage that I think is um, is is significant. This is Isaiah chapter chapter sixty two, and um, and I, I I thought about Lansing. I thought about um, Hazlitt. I thought about my own neighborhood, putting, my, putting those places in this passage. This is what it says. It says, this is Isaiah's prayer for Jerusalem. Because I love Zion. Mm. So you can say, because I love Lansing, mm -hmm. because I love Holt, because I love Hazlitt, because I love my neighborhood, I will not keep still. And then mm -hmm. it says, because my heart yearns for Jerusalem. So now you can, again, you can add the place where you are and substitute it for Jerusalem. Because, I, because my heart yearns for Lansing and, um, uh, Lansing and Hazlitt and my neighborhood, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory and you will be given a new name. By the Lord's own mouth, the Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see a splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called a forsaken city or a desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God, for the Lord delights in you and will remain, uh, will claim you as his bride. So you can substitute where you live, where you work in these verses and say, do I love my city like Isaiah is talking about Jerusalem? Do I love the place where I work? The fact mm -hmm. that God has me there. Not, right. I, may, I may not necessarily like my boss, but, but even asking God for the desire to desire mm -hmm. uh, to love these places. Yeah. And because when we do, then I think we'll show up differently. And I just won't pull in, close my garage, come in the house. I won't remain silent. I won't be, remain still, but I will, I will see God, what are you calling me to in this season for the people that are surrounding me in the place where I live? And I think that's when the fun really begins. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I almost want to pass the the offering plate right now and uh, take up the collection because that was, that, but yeah, that's so powerful. So, I, you know, I had another kind of random crazy question I was going to ask you, but I'm just going to shelve that because I want you to close this podcast in prayer. <laughs> I, I'd love you to take this and, 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 or maybe I'll ask you the, no, I'm not going to ask you the crazy question. I'm just going to go right. I, would you take, even take that passage in Isaiah? Would you? Think about the people who are listening to this podcast in Lansing and in Hazlitt and in Holt. And people listening to this thing from around the world, thinking of their towns and their cities. Would you just walk us out with prayer yeah, and, and pray for everyone? That'd be my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, great God of the universe. You love, um, you love the city. You love the suburb. Um, you love the rural area and you love the urban area. Thank you for your sovereign purposes. 
for calling us, whether we acknowledged it or not at the time, calling us to live where we live, work where we work, um, recreation where we recreation, work out where we work out, um, vacation where we vacation. Even that is a place you've called us to for redemptive purposes. And so we pray, God, where, where we don't love the city, like Isaiah is talking about, we pray you would create a love for the place where we live and work and where you've called us. Help us not to keep still, um, but to keep moving and understanding why you have us where you have us in this season. God, we pray that you would help us to yearn for Lansing and yearn for Chicago and yearn for Boston and yearn for Seattle and yearn for Hazlitt and yearn for where we live, yearn for our neighborhoods. God, we just simply ask for a deep, deep yearning for our neighborhoods, our cities, our towns. And we pray that <clears throat> we would not stop praying for these places, but not stop praying. We would pray until the righteousness shines in these cities and towns like the dawn. We pray that we, you, you would help us not to, uh, to not stop praying for these places until the salvation of the people in these cities, in these places actually blaze like a burning torch. And we pray that the places where they're called desolate cities now, they would be fact, in fact called the city of God's delight the neighborhood of God's delight, the town of God's delight. And we pray that over Lansing, we pray that over Holt, we pray that over Hazlitt, we pray that over cities and towns and sit and countries uh, of individuals who are, who are listening right now. God, may we love you well, love our neighbors well, and teach others to do the same. I thank you for Noel. Thank you for the kind of influence you have given him in this city of Lansing, even more so the town of Holt, and how you have allowed his shadow to fall on, not, not the negative side, but the shadow like Peter's shadow to fall on um, people, his influence to fall on people in his neighborhood in Lansing. And as a result, people are in the kingdom today because he has faithfully preached the gospel. I pray you would bless this podcast and um, just ask your blessing upon him that you would continue to bless him, his children, his wife, and all that he puts his hands to. And so we pray that you would bless us and keep us, cause your face to shine upon us, be gracious to us. We pray that your countenance would be turned toward us and we pray you would give us your peace. And we pray all of this in the one who moved into the neighborhood mm. and he was full of grace and truth mm. even the one who saved us who's our redeemer and lord even in his name we pray amen amen